July 2023 edition of Agribusiness News, brought to you by the Farm Advisory Service. Agribusiness News helps you to scan your horizon, prepare for industry changes, and keeps you abreast of the latest research and policy updates. Along with our regular monthly updates on policy briefs, arable, beef, sheep, and milk, in this edition we'll also bring you two sector overviews on potatoes and having bees on farmland. We will also be bringing you news on grassland yield loss and the Scottish Government's progress report on the 2023 Climate Change Plan. First up, we have this month's news. As always, June has been a busy month and the Highland Show brought its usual batch of much-awaited launches and announcements. Following mounting tension from the farming community about lack of clarity on what a post-Brexit agricultural and land use policy might look like, the release of various policy reports and updates provide interesting and much-awaited reading. These include the announcement by Marie Goujon on new conditions for farm support payments from 2025, including whole farm plans, peatland and wetland protection and conditions on the Suckler Beef Support Scheme. Scottish Government's response to the Climate Change Committee's 2022 Annual Progress Report, a discussion paper on just transition and land use in agriculture, exploring the current context as well as policy ambition. The Scottish Natural Capital Accounts 2023 estimating the quality and value of natural capital services in Scotland. The Agricultural Reform Route Map to 2032 developed in consultation with ARIOB and the farmer-led groups. The new 10-year food and drink stability strategy highlighting opportunities for Scotland to add value to its unique and valuable agri-food sector. All links for these reports can be found in the show notes. Moving on to this month's policy briefs. As part of the Scottish Government's Vision for Agriculture, a second edition of the Agricultural Reform Route Map has been published, setting out the wider Land and Agricultural Change Plan for Scotland from 2023 through to 2032. In 2025, as part of the process for changing to a new agricultural support framework from 2026, the following measures will be introduced. The foundations of a whole farm plan, including soil testing, animal health and welfare declaration, carbon audits, biodiversity audits and supported business planning. New conditions to the Scottish Suckler Beef Support Scheme linked to calving intervals to encourage livestock keepers to reduce the emissions intensity of the cattle production systems. New protections for peatlands and wetlands. While greening requirements will not change in 2025, aimed at making businesses more efficient, New conditions will be introduced to the basic payment scheme, making this support conditional on meeting essential standards in farming activity, climate response, biodiversity gain, whilst safeguarding animal health and welfare standards and workers' rights. In 2026, the basic payment scheme will end and the base support and enhanced support measures will be introduced. The recently published calving intervals in Scotland's cattle population report highlights that the mean calving interval of suckler beef in Scotland is 400 days, with 12% of animals having a calving interval of 14 months or longer, based on the analysis 
of CTS calving data from 2015 through to 2021. Calving interval is a key efficiency metric for beef production systems. Longer calving intervals equates to lower numbers of calf sales per annum and higher greenhouse gas emissions per kilogram of beef sold off the farm. The free-to-use MyHerd Stats tool allows farmers and crofters to view performance indicators for their herds. Identifying opportunities for improvements to herd efficiency, including reducing calving intervals, will help beef producers reduce the total emissions from their production systems. Peatlands cover around 2 million hectares, or one quarter of Scotland, and are of national and global significance, linked to their ability to store carbon, support nature and reduce flood risk. Following on from the commitment to spend £250 million restoring 250,000 hectares of degraded peatlands by 2030 as part of just transition to net zero by 2045, the Scottish Government has announced that protection of wetlands and peatlands will be part of the planned new Good Agricultural and Environmental Conditions, Geeks 2. Further details will be published later this summer as part of the Agricultural Reform Roadmap. Following the recommendations of the Expert Committee on Pesticides and the HSE, the Scottish Government is not authorising the use of Azulox this season due to the risks it poses to the environment and human health, citing that the potential adverse effects of Azulox use outweighed the potential benefits. Although as bracken contains a range of toxins to deter herbivores, it is rarely consumed by livestock. The EU now considers Azulam to meet the criteria for endocrine disruption in humans. It also presents a high risk to aquatic organisms, which is exacerbated by aerial spraying. Equally, it is viewed that spraying in upland areas carries a potentially high risk of contaminating drinking water especially as upland reservoirs do not have the capacity to treat this type of pollution. While other chemicals can be used for bracken control, they are less effective and physical methods, including rolling and cutting, are only suited to controlling bracken in level areas and not on steep ground where Ashlox has proved to be most effective for hill and upland farms. For EECS 2023, contracts previously approving chemical control of bracken will now change to allow mechanical or manual control only. Further information is available on the SASA website. The launch of Scotland's deposit return scheme, designed to incentivise recycling, reduce litter and help tackle climate change by reducing the amount of single-use drinks containers going to landfill, will be delayed until at least October 2025. Moving on to arable. Global wheat production, stocks and trade are all forecast to fall in 2023-24 from their 2022-23 record high levels. Nevertheless, with significant carryover stock from last season and nearly stagnant total utilisation, world wheat supplies are set to remain unchallenged. Global wheat markets are expected to tighten slightly in 2023-24, but should remain adequately supplied. Total wheat output in 2023 is pegged at 777 million tonnes, representing a 3% fall from the all-time high reached in 2022. 
The bulk of the foreseen decline is expected to occur in the Russian Federation and Australia, following record high outputs in both countries in 2022, while smaller declines are anticipated in several other leading producers, including Ukraine. At the end of last week, we saw a real acceleration of prices to the upside driven by reports confirming downgrades to maize and spring wheat crops primarily in the USA. UK prices continue their rebound, up 15% in the last four weeks, and now trading at a three-month high. EU wheat prices are following the buoyant US market and other supportive elements. Australian wheat areas are expected to dry out in early July and could add to concerns over global weather hotspots. Reports that India's production will be much lower than government estimates will be watched closely as well. If true, it could turn India, like China, into a net importer later this year, tightening the global balance sheet and becoming a new bullish factor. Drought conditions in Canadian spring areas is getting more market attention, especially after the 9% drop in US spring crop condition ratings earlier this week and downgrades to Russia's spring wheat crop representing 35% of the total production. The UK malting barley market has been the biggest riser of all over recent weeks with significant premiums quoted on high-end brewing contracts. However, with the onset of an optimistic harvest in France and recent rains here, the rally may well be running out of steam. Sellers of winter barley for export continue to face aggressively priced barley of Black Sea origin. Utilising the Farm Business Survey data and agriculture, the Scottish Government has published a new experimental set of statistics on emissions and nitrogen usage at farm level. Based on commercial size farms in the Farm Business Survey, this new and experimental data provides greenhouse gas emission estimates and nitrogen for a range of farm types. The new estimates show that for the average Scottish farm greenhouse gas emissions have remained stable over the last three years and that the nitrogen balance, the amount of nitrogen that might be lost to the environment, was lower in 2021 than the first estimate made in 2019. For further details, please visit Farm Business Survey Results website. Details can be found in the show notes. Over the past month, Finnish beef price has significantly dropped, sitting at 499 pence per kilogram deadweight for the week ending June 17th for Scottish R4L graded steers. The takeover of Scott beef is arguably to blame. However, increased supplies in recent weeks and reduced demand due to hot weather as consumers reevaluate their meat buying habits, opting for processed meat and barbecue foods is also impacting trade. Irish imports to the UK have increased, with there being a 40 pence per kilogram price difference between the UK and Republic of Ireland, which has also contributed to a price drop. Future processing demand in the coming weeks will depend on Republic of Ireland prices, as more cheaper Irish beef could be imported to keep UK prices managed. This dip in the finished price has come at a bad time for those shopkeep finishers starting to sell the more expensive stores bought in the spring, as before this price fall, many were needing around £520 per kilogram deadweight to cover costs. At the current beef price, these undoubtedly will leave no margin. 
With less housed cattle available and grass cattle unlikely to be ready until late August and concerns over grass availability due to lack of rain and hot weather, numbers look to be tight in the coming months as there does not look to be a significant rise in numbers becoming available. Young bulls have held processes to make up the shortfall in cattle numbers over the past months. However, by the end of July, in keeping with the time of year, it is likely many will have been traded. Forage availability due to lack of rain may start to have an impact on store cattle prices. With some bigger stores' sales scheduled for July, finishers could look to pay less for stores or choose not to restock at the same level in an attempt to recoup some loss suffered on the back of trading these dearer March and April bought cattle and concerns of grass. Who is having rain is likely to drive trade and prices. Demand is likely to still be with the shorter keep heavier types. Cull cow trade remains strong, although back 2 to 7 pence per kilogram depending on outlet. The hot summery weather is boosting sales of burgers and other barbecue food. Trade may well drop off slightly in the coming weeks as imports rise and numbers coming forward from the dairy industry increase supply. Those with cows to go should sell now rather than wait. We're still without clear policy direction from government. However, at the Royal Highland Show, QMS set out its new five-year strategy, which included genomics, brand integrity and securing funds for a verification system for the eating quality of Scottish red meat proteins. After weeks of speculation, Scott Beef announced its sale to ABP, with the sale expected to be completed by the end of July. The takeover continues the consolidation of meat wholesalers actively seeking prime cattle in Scotland. However, not a reduction in the number of cattle required to meet retail demand. With three companies now controlling much of the beef processes in the UK, there is apprehension among producers. Time will tell if this will have a significant implication on cattle prices. Moving on to sheep. It has been reported that the number of adult sheep slaughtered in the UK between January and April 2023 is 5% higher than 2022. This may be due to the drought in summer 2022 and these additional culls have been concentrate fed over the winter prior to being marketed. AHDB have forecast an increase of 0.8% adult sheep will be slaughtered in 2023 compared to 2022, totalling 1.71 million. The national flock has increased by 1% to 14.4 million ewes. The cull ewe trade has followed a similar pattern to that of 2021, with a rise being seen during Ramadan and then following typical supply and demand trends. Global trading of wool has shown decreasing values over the last month. Wool for manufacturing continues to be at the mercy of the delicate global economy. China has been actively buying wool from the higher quality wools as the prices have lowered through the last month. Exports of lamb are growing, with the first quarter of 2023 seeing a rise of 22% on the year. HDB have estimated a rise of 14% in exports will be witnessed in 2023 compared to 2022. The reason for this rise is due to the decreasing flock in Europe, 
New Zealand and Australian lamb targeting closer, more profitable markets in China and Asia. UK domestic demand is decreasing, meaning we have a higher level of product to export, strengthening our position in the market. Global demand of sheep meat and protein is high. Our current price is competitive, especially to the French. Our dead weight price has overtaken the Spanish price, which will limit our competitiveness to Spain. The market is seeing high supply and low demand at the start of the year, with a high carryover of hogs. With Ramadan and Easter in April, this created high demand as hogs slowed down and the new season lambs were slow to start, creating a lower supply. Now, as the lambs start to come forward at pace, the price will drop, which will again make us price competitive to our European traders. Now, let's move on to potatoes. The levy body AHDB potatoes no longer exists to collect planting returns and market information. This makes concrete information on the potato crop in Great Britain hard to come by. The general feeling is that planted area is substantially down, particularly in England and Wales. This drop in area is not uniform for sectors within the crop. Decreases in areas planted for seed and processing potatoes have likely declined only modestly, while the fall in pre-pack where may exceed 10%. Demand for wear potatoes both for the home market and to export destinations has been very brisk and many growers have had little difficulty clearing stores of the 2022 crop. Sasa have released their first estimate for crops entered into the seed potato classification scheme in Scotland, which confirms the general feeling of a modest decline in planted area. This year, 9,897 hectares were entered into the scheme. This is 515 hectares less than 2022, a 5% reduction. 10,000 hectares is sometimes quoted as a psychological benchmark for the Scottish seed potato industry, below which it could be viewed as a minor crop. Of interest is the changing popularity of varieties both for supply and demand in the home and export seed sector, and also because it augurs coming shifts for wear markets. There are 246 varieties registered this year in the classification scheme, but most have almost negligible area. Only 11 varieties have over 200 hectares of seed, and the three most widely grown varieties, Cara, 1,137 hectares, Maris Piper, 1,047 hectares, and Hermes, 963 hectares, account for almost one-third of the total area of seed potatoes in Scotland. Cara and Hermes are varieties grown primarily for export partners such as Egypt and Morocco, and the popularity of Cara has increased consistently for the past few years primarily due to the favourable margins. However, there were some reports of oversupply to the Egypt market in 2022, and with some growers dealing directly with merchants or growers in the export destination, rather than contracting through brokers, there is increased exposure. Cara is a grower's variety, with few prominent agronomic weakness. However, it is susceptible to both species of potato cyst nematode, and has a tendency to leave ground keepers that are difficult to eradicate. Marius Piper has long been the most popular potato variety with almost everyone in the supply chain 
aside from the agronomist due to its versatility. However, it is susceptible to many diseases and requires high agronomic inputs. While still the second most widely grown seed potato variety, its hectorage has dropped significantly on 2022, down 22%, a drop of 296 hectares. A glance at the pre-basic seed area reveals up-and-coming varieties that are making their way through the multiplication system. Taurus, Caruso and Jazzy are all varieties that have modest areas of commercial grade seed but relatively large PB areas, meaning they will be significant contenders in the coming years. The biggest increase overall, both absolutely and in relative terms, is King Russet with 100 additional hectares on 2022. Planting was somewhat challenging in 2023, particularly in England. Later planted crops were planted in good conditions, but for many growers it was a stop-start process. In Scotland, some plantings were up to two weeks behind schedule, but most growers were complete in good time. Aside from a few emergence issues, which can probably be linked to conditions at planting, crops are developing well. Current temperatures are ideal for growth, although few crops had closed canopies by the summer solstice. Scottish conditions through much of May and early June have been dry, with irrigators a common sight in the major production areas of Angus and Fife. Recent EU Mars Bulletin registers rain deficits across the north of the continent. Reportedly, this is causing concern in Germany and the Benelux nations, but recent thunderstorms may have brought some relief. A freak hailstorm in the Republic of Ireland has also damaged several crops. While not something that will move markets, it's a dramatic example of the variations of weather. Have milk prices bottomed out? Milk volumes are falling rapidly. There are fewer and smaller price cuts for July compared to recent months and commodity markets appear to be fairly stable. Farmgate milk prices are now in the region of between 35 to 38 pence per litre from the main Scottish milk buyers, depending on the type of supply contract, with supermarket-aligned contracts still above 40 pence per litre. Milk production data shows that UK milk output for May 2023 was 1,381.76 million litres, an increase of around 0.35 million litres on a year-on-year basis and 3.65% higher than April 2023. According to GrassCheck GB, grass growth rates have been steadily dropping throughout June on the back of hot, dry weather. Quality is also being affected due to moisture stress, with average crude protein levels of just 14.1% and an ME of 10.6 megajoules per kilogram of dry matter. Despite recent rains in some areas, grass is in short supply and milk volumes are unlikely to rise anytime soon. The UK average milk price for May 2023 was 37.58 pence per litre, down 1.89 pence per litre from April and 7.86% lower than May 2022. The main Scottish milk buyers have either reduced their price for July or held at the June price. Announcements for July 2023 are as follows. 
Please note that the following prices are in pence per litre. Lactalis and Fresh Milk Company, 35.50. First Milk Manufacturing, 36.85. Muller and Muller Direct, 37.75. Arla Farmers Manufacturing, 35.21. Graham's, 36.0. Utree Dairy, 38.0. According to the Dairy Group, the estimated cost of production for the 12 months up to March 23 was 45 pence per litre. Not surprisingly, the biggest increase was in feed, fertiliser, power and labour. With family labour costed at 3 pence per litre, they estimate the break-even cost to produce milk this year is 40 pence per litre, not taking into account grant subsidies and other income. While feed costs have eased back, with the current milk price margin over purchased feeds is predicted to drop by £350 per cow for the year up to March 24. This equates to £70,000 less for a 200 cow herd. Based on current forward prices for straits and assuming good quality forage, it is thought that concentrate feed costs of around £8 per litre this winter should be attainable. There were small increases to the values for AMPE and MCVE for June 23, reflecting increases to the value of butter, £3,990 per tonne, and skim milk powder, £2,060 per tonne. UK wholesale prices have in fact increased slightly across the board. Whilst there's a long way to go before announcing any grand recovery to milk prices, this does at least suggest that price levels are beginning to stabilise. The latest global dairy trade auction held on the 20th of June showed no difference in the price index, with a 0% change in the average price index remaining at $3,479 per tonne from the previous auction two weeks ago, while the average butter price rose 5.5%, Cheddar and skimmed milk powder both fell 3.3% and 2.3% respectively. While market indicators point towards milk price having bottomed out and more stability in dairy markets, industry analysts predict the recovery will be slow and any milk price rises are unlikely to materialise in the short term. There are plentiful butter stocks, cheddar prices remain stable although young cheese prices have been slowly rising, and with some big supermarket tenders currently ongoing, significant rises are unlikely to materialise at the moment. This means we could be looking at little movement in the milk price until at least the last quarter of 2023. In addition, consumer demand for dairy products is still back, both domestically and globally. However, Milk volumes are still below forecasted levels and if the summer drought continues to impact volumes, this may help drive positive milk price changes a little quicker. Now let's move on to soil compaction and grassland yield loss. Understand that effects of soil compaction should be part of a regular assessment of overall soil health for grassland farmers as well as arable farmers. The trampling by livestock and trafficking of grassland fields with heavy machinery has been shown to have effects on yield reductions from compaction 
that might not be obvious once a sward has started growing. Soil compaction can restrict the growth of roots, limit the availability of nutrient uptake, so the fertiliser applied is not used efficiently for grass yield. This can lead to wasting money on costly fertilisers that are not being used and additionally increase the nitrous oxide emission from the sward, leading to an increase in greenhouse gas emissions. Research at SRUC Dairy Research and Innovation Centre at the Crichton Royal Farm in Dumfries over a period of three years has shown an accumulated reduction in grassland dry matter yield of over 14% for machinery trafficked fields and over 11% for cattle trampling. These effects were also seen at a sister experiment based at Harper Adams University in Shropshire on a lighter sandier soil. The potential for causing soil compaction increases the wetter the soil becomes, therefore avoiding compaction initially by not turning out livestock or driving over wet ground, especially after several days of rainfall, should be considered. However, if this cannot be avoided, then a check on the soil structure should be done to assess any damage. This can be achieved simply with a spade by digging out a block of soil, a spade depth approximately 23 centimetres, and the width and length of the spade, 20 centimetres by 20 centimetres. The use of the assessment sheet for the Visual Evaluation of Soil Structure, or VES, developed by SRUC gives descriptions of the status of a soil structure and example photos of the level of compaction. This can be found on the SRUC website with links in the show notes. The VES method has now been adapted by AHDB as part of their Soil Health Monitoring Scorecard and is in use in countries such as Switzerland and Brazil. The descriptions are based on a traffic light system with scores of 1 or 2 indicating good soil structure and only to reassess after any further suspected compaction event. A score of 3 indicates some compaction and to think about a change in management. A score of 4 or 5 indicates intervention is needed to improve the soil structure and remove the damage. The VES assessment also helps in decisions on what method of improving the soil structure is most suitable. This is the idea of the limiting layer. What depth is the soil is the compaction that is having the most effect on the grass yield. If the soil is most compacted at the surface, 0 to 15 centimetres, then spiking or surface aeration would be the best management of this problem. However, if the compaction layer is deeper in the soil profile, 15 to 30 centimetres, then for grassland, a sward lifter would be most suitable. The tines of the sward lifter, when used, need to be set below the compaction layer or the results can be increased compaction. Please find the technical note on the FAS website and there is a link in the show notes. A sward lifter is a useful tool for improving soil structure at depth. However, care must be taken not to drive over areas that have been recently sward lifted as these can slump and create a worse soil compaction problem. Apart from keeping off wet soils as much as possible, there are a number of other considerations to help reduce soil compaction. These include ensuring any water that drained through the soil 
is allowed to flow away through a functioning drainage system if one is installed. The more the load is spread across the surface of the field will help reduce damage, so load pressure tyres should be considered. It is not always the weight of the tractor that causes the damage but what is being towed. If wet during silage harvest, it could be the trailer plus the 10 tonnes of cut grass it contains that is compacting the soil. Therefore, a double axle trailer with wide tyres can also help prevent damage. Overall, an awareness that compacted grassland soils lead to yield reductions, but there are solutions to improving the soil structure that ensures healthy grassland yields are maintained. Have you listened to some of the other podcasts available through the Farm Advisory Service? Why not have a look at Cropcast, an arable-themed podcast hosting industry professionals and farmers on the show? Take a look back at previous episodes as well. Last year, they recorded an excellent episode on measuring soil health, talking about how to identify healthy or unhealthy soils and what you can do to improve them. Moving on to the Scottish Government's progress report on the 2023 Climate Change Plan. At the end of May, Scottish Government published the 2023 progress report on the Climate Change Plan, detailing progress made across all industries to policy outcomes, including agriculture. While the envelopes of emissions for each sector, drawn from the UK's National Inventory of Greenhouse Gases, is based on 2020 data, the most recent available, Other reporting metrics and progress indicators are drawn from various and more recent datasets. For 2020, agriculture as an industry was 0.6 million tonnes of CO2 equivalents over its emissions envelope of 7.6 million tonnes of CO2 equivalents, an envelope which is advisory but not legally binding. To put 0.6 million tonnes into context, This equates to around 1,300 cars equivalent of emissions annually, or 1,000 homes. While for 2020, agriculture overstepped its sectoral targets, much progress has been made since 2020 in reducing emissions in Scottish farming, such as two rounds of the Sustainable Agriculture Capital Grant Scheme, wider uptake of carbon auditing, and the National Test Programme funding further carbon reporting and soil carbon testing. Progress on the five practice-orientated outcomes is as follows. The following outcomes are on track. Increased engagement with FAS on environmental issues and climate change. Reduced time to slaughter and increased efficiency. Improved health and reduced losses. Area of woodland on farms. The use, spreading precision and nitrogen use efficiency of nitrogen fertiliser is on track, except nitrogen use efficiency, which is too early to say. With regard to the improvement in covered slurry storage and precision applications, covers are on track, but precision applications are too early to say. In December 2022, the Climate Change Committee provided the following recommendations to the Scottish Government on reducing emissions in agriculture and land use, with all actions to be undertaken in 2023 other than those with later dates noted. CAP reform and finance. 1. 
Priority measure. More detail on targeting and delivery of subsidies and schemes. Delivering climate and other environmental goals. 2. Frameworks for monitoring, reporting and verification of schemes to assess effectiveness. 3. Set out how public and private finance will align and enhance to increase private finance. Farming practices. 1. Take action to overcome financial barriers to low-carbon farming. 2. Enhance advice and knowledge on climate mitigation and adaptation for farmers. 3. Continue to invest in research and development for low-carbon farming practices. 4. Increase scope of regulatory components of post-CAP schemes. 5. Increase coverage of nitrate vulnerable zones in 2024. Forestry and hedgerows. 1. Priority measure. Ensure fundings and incentives sufficient to meet planting targets. 2. Support for tree nurseries to increase domestic production to meet demand. 3. Continue woodland carbon code. 4. Develop a plan to increase UK sourced timber production and supply. 5. Enhance incentives for agroforestry and hedgerows. Peatlands. 1. Implement a comprehensive mechanism for increased peatland restoration beyond 2030. 2. Set out ways that peat soils for agricultural use can be managed in a more sustainable way. 3. Set out timescales for ending domestic and industrial peat extraction and ban the sale of horticultural peat. 4. Implement regulations to prevent bare beet or rotational burning. Other. 1. Address non-financial barriers preventing uptake of low-carbon farming, such as enhancing knowledge and skills and simplifying application processes, support to overcome legal complications, etc. 2. Set out clear and fair roadmaps and consequences of net zero on agriculture and land. 3. Develop action plan for how energy crops can help to meet emissions targets. 4. With third parties, provide training and increase capacity to promote sustainable farming. 5. Take action to encourage a 20% reduction in meat and dairy by 2030 and food waste by 50% by 2030. This is to be done in 2025. On the 20th of June, Scottish Government released their response to the recommendations which can be found on the Scottish Government website with the link in the show notes. Finally, we'll move on to beehives on farms. Most beekeepers don't have land of their own, but they keep their bees on landowners' or farmers' land. The traditional agreement is a £1 of honey per hive per year donated to the landowner. However, there are also pollination services which farmers will pay beekeepers to pollinate oilseed rape and other crops such as fruit and borage as they can increase their yield significantly. There are some things you may wish to consider before agreeing to let someone put hives on your land. Honeybees not properly cared for can spread disease and become a liability to the public and landowner.
You will be able to make your own judgment, but you may wish to ask the following 10 questions to the beekeeper. 1. How many hives do they wish to place in the apiary? 2 to 15 max is usual. 2. Where do they think would be safe, secure, accessible and good for the bees? Facing morning sun, not under trees or in a frost pocket. 3. How much experience do they have being a beekeeper? A year or two may not be enough. 4. Are they a member of the Scottish Beekeepers Association or a local beekeepers association? 5. Do they have public liability insurance available by joining the SBA? 6. Do they have any qualifications? Most won't, but a basic beekeeping qualification from the SBA would indicate they at least know the basics. 7. Have they told someone else where the bees will be? 8. Will they be working with someone else? 9. How good is their swarm control? 10. Do they think there is enough forage for the bees? The most important question would be are they registered on bee base? This is important because if there is a disease outbreak within three kilometres, they will be notified and if something happens to the beekeeper, there is a record of where they are. It is also a useful resource of information for beekeepers and landowners on keeping bees. Please visit the Bee Base website to find out more. There is a website called Bee Connected, which aims to provide good communication between beekeepers and farmers. It can bring farmers and beekeepers together and keeps beekeepers notified when a neighbouring farmer is applying insecticides to their crops. Farmers enter the details of when and where they are planning to spray an insecticide that may present a risk to bees, for instance on a flowering crop or where the field has a conservation buffer strip. A notification will be sent to neighbouring beekeepers registered with the system. Neroso members can now claim two CPD points per year for registering and using Bee Connected. The author, Lorraine Johnston, would like to write more articles on beekeeping and farming. So if there is anything you wish to know more about or need advice on, please do contact her. Please find details of Lorraine Johnson's email and the beekeeping podcast in the show notes. Thanks very much for listening to this audio edition of the July 2023 Agribusiness News. Remember to follow Agribusiness News to get notified of future episodes of this monthly podcast. This edition was edited by Anna Sellers and included articles written by Christine Beaton, Mark Bauscher Gibbs, Sarah Balfour, SRUC Potatoes Team, Lorna McPherson, Paul Hargreaves, Anna Sellers and Lorraine Johnston. Presented by myself, Tiffany Stevenson and produced by Alistair Trail.